quick one if you'd like to support us on our journey to a thousand please do consider subscribing or following this podcast wherever it is you're listening to this thank you i think for anyone that's like trying to find their purpose i think it's ultimately about just paying attention to your passions i think it's so easy to see someone else's journey and someone else's professional success and be like that's what success looks like that's what i have to do i have to emulate that but if you are passionate about collecting bugs then collect bugs celebrate it and find people that also collect bugs and like just do your work there um i just wanted to help like i just wanted to help more women learn about their hair i started with my focus mainly on young girls and i just wanted like a world where little girls grew up and thought that their hair in its natural state was beautiful didn't want straight hair they just wanted to celebrate their curls and so for me it was like okay how many mothers can i invite into a space and also how many spaces can i create where little girls feel comfortable and see themselves and are celebrated purpose is is something that i've always been really keen on at some points i was quite frustrated and impatient like i just want to know what my purpose is like why am i here um but again i think it continues to unfold i thought that all that i cared about was products and hair which is true but it's part of a bigger purpose and i think that's what life's about like just seeing the constant unfoldment of like different layers of yourself and different layers of the work that you're supposed to do Thank you so much for coming to the Thousand Voices podcast today, Jamila. How are you? I'm well, thank you. How are you? I'm all good. All good. I can't complain. Um, and yeah, just to, well, want to let you know, I've let you know just before we start recording, but I really, really appreciate your time this evening. Um, and you're someone who I've been following for a little while now, you know, I've been following the Treasure Dress journey and your own personal yeah. journey for a while. And I was very, very excited to get you on board. So thank you for coming on. Much appreciated. Thank you for inviting me. It's all good. It's all good. Anytime. All right, so just to start off with people who might not know who you are, do you mind giving us a little introduction? Sure. Um, so my name's Jamelia Donaldson. I'm the founder of Treasure Trace, which is Europe's largest monthly product discovery box for women and girls with naturally kinky curly hair or those with naturally kinky curly hair. Um, as a byproduct of Treasure Trace, I founded the Teen Experience with Simone Powderly which is a series of personal development workshops for black and mixed race teen girls. I always think it's funny when people say, introduce yourself, who are you? And people mm. go right into their career. So aside from career, <laughs> I'm um, a beauty obsessed individual who loves <laughs> traveling, loves eating, loves spending time with my friends and just loves embarking on like new adventurous experiences. Looking at your profile before, before this interview, I can definitely see that it seems like you love traveling. You know, where have you been? How many countries have you been to? Oh, I don't actually know how many, but I'm also a sucker for returning to the same country several times. (laughs) 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 One country being America, like I, 2019, I went there at least four times a year. Oh, wow. 2019, I went there at least four times a year um, for like business and to see family. But yeah, my favorite places to travel have to be the States, the Caribbean, and I really like the Middle East. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. All right. Sounds good. So what I like to do with the interviews, is I always like to take it back, you know, set a bit of a foundation. So just to begin with, do you mind just talking to us about your, you know, your background, where you grew up um, and what that was like? Sure. So I come from Caribbean parents. Both of my parents are Jamaican. Grew up in North London. So my parents were born in the UK. They both went back to Jamaica to be schooled. Um, and then came back here um, and started a family together. Um, my mum is a, well, my mum is now part retired, but she was a head teacher and her mum was a head teacher. So I always say that I come from like a strong lineage of like really powerful and well-educated women. Mm. And yeah, I grew up in North London, grew up in, like was born and raised in Edmonton, then used moved to Enfield a bit later, but kind of like ordinary childhood I grew up in a single parent household um although I've maintained a really good relationship with my dad all the way throughout my life um but the key themes and the key like priorities of my childhood were always education and travel I remember on a Saturday morning like speaking to my school friends in secondary school and they'd wake up at like 11 a.m 
and I would be so jealous because sleeping until 11 a.m. was never a luxury I had. Like, I had <laughs> yeah. to be up cleaning. Then I had mm. to go to piano lesson. Then I had to go to violin lesson. And then when I got back, my friends were just waking up. And I was like, what is going on? Wow. But now I look back and I'm like, Do you know, what? I actually appreciate that because it, it taught me to just start my day early from really early on. And it just gave me valuable experiences. So I would say an ordinary childhood not at all a privileged childhood, but I think my mum just prioritised where she wanted to spend money and where she didn't. And for her, spending money on me and my brothers, so I've got two brothers, um, one's my older brother, one's my younger brother. I grew up with my older brother. Um, her priority for me and my older brother was just um, education, life experiences. So if we wanted like new trainers, new tracksuits, unless it was a special occasion or we were going on holiday, we were not getting it. Mm. Instead, she was investing the money in like piano, gymnastics, drama, like literally everything you can think of. I think I gave it a try at least once in my childhood. Yeah. <laughs> but do you think that's good then? That um, emphasis yeah. on experience over material things, I guess. Absolutely. That's something that I'm going to carry through. If you had asked me when I was a child, if I would have done that, I probably would have said no. Mm. Um, but it's yeah, I think it's just really important because how do you know what you like until you know what you don't like? I think a lot of the time we can look at something from afar and say like, oh no, I don't like that. But if you've never tried it, with within reason, of course, if yeah. you've never tried it, then how do you really know? And yeah, I think it just leads to you or helps you become a more open-minded person as opposed to just limiting limiting yourself and limiting your beliefs based on what you think you will and won't like or what you will and will not be good at. So, yeah, I think it teaches you how to learn new skills quite quickly, but also make decisions for yourself based on your own experience. For sure, for sure. I definitely agree. And then if we, we're going to get there in a sec, but I know you went to stay in New York for a bit when you were studying. Mm -hmm. And there's a book I read, I've forgotten the name of it, but the guy talks about... Um, how important it is to he talks specifically about living in other countries and experiencing other cultures and that sort of thing oh okay. and talks about how important it is um because it expands your thinking and he had there was like a study that he was quoting or something like that and people who had lived abroad in other countries and cultures that were very different to where they grew up so let's say for example i'm in the uk and i lived in like asia for example and it's very mm. very different people like that tend to have more expansive thinking and mm. very generally speaking tend to make better managers better leaders and progress faster in their careers than people who haven't had that kind of experience um but yeah it's a very interesting book and I definitely agree with that I think it's, it expands your thinking actually yeah send me right. that book when you um come across the title again but that that sounds interesting and yeah, probably, yeah for yeah. sure I'll I check it out it's, it's on my kindle I'll check it out I'll send it over to you for sure please do uh, so when you're younger what were your early career ambitions um, I had a lot of them. <laughs> uh, I think my first ambition was to be a choreographer because I used to love dance and then a hairdresser. And then like, I think that must've been like eight, nine years old. I wanted to be a hairdresser, shared that with my mum mm. and she was like, um, you're great at doing hair and you know, it's lovely. It's something that you can do on the side, but it's not something that I would recommend that you do for a career. Like you <laughs> need to go into a field that earns a bit more money. Yeah. So I was like, okay, killed my <laughs> dreams. And then she was like, well, you're great at arguing. Why don't you consider a career in law? And I was like, okay, like whatever. So then mm. I started to, I doubled down on my academics and I actually really, really wanted to become a lawyer at that point. But sadly, we'll probably get into it a bit later, but sadly I didn't hit the grade that I needed to study law at university. And so I was faced with a dilemma of one, either changing the university that I went to or changing my degree. And I decided to change my degree because I was really set on going to Birmingham and going to Aston University. So I stuck with that plan to, to a certain degree, but I didn't quite become the lawyer that I thought I wanted to be. But I don't think that law would have suited me very well now. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's all good. It's all good. I guess things have worked out, gone down a different path, things have worked out, however they've worked out. Yeah. Uh, so all right, let's talk about the university experience then. So you've um you couldn't you didn't do the law, no. and if we fast forward a bit actually, yeah. So you're doing the was it, sorry, business and international relations. I might be yeah. That, that, that was it basically. Yeah. Yeah. And you've gone. You've done a year abroad, or you've done some a month in Beijing, and then you've done some time in New York as well. Mm -hmm. So I want to talk about that New York experience in particular, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, how important do you feel that that experience was for you? Um, one, 
in and actually if we relate this back to what we're talking about about experiences and having that kind of experience from abroad and because I've, you know, I've looked into your profile and everything and I know that you've gone there you've seen what you've seen and come back and brought it back over here but on first of all on two levels on a business level how mm. important do you think that that New York stay was and secondly on a personal level what kind of impact did that have on you um oh New York is like yeah I, I just think it was a life-changing experience for me because there was no real reason why I wanted to go to New York I don't know what it was but something was just like not to be like woo-woo but something yeah. was really pulling me towards that city like everyone else was applying for jobs in London, in city of London. And I was like, I actually don't care about that. Like, I don't care how much they pay. I just need to be in New York. And one of my really close friends who was also in my year at university, and she also had to take undertake a placement year. She was like, Jam, I'm with you. Like, let's just go to New York. So personally, I think it taught me a really incredible lesson about just trusting your intuition. And like, I didn't have really any expectations from New York. I didn't know who I wanted to meet. I didn't go out there like, I want to meet this person, this person, this person. And I want to come back with a business idea. Like that was not even in my train of thought anywhere. Mm. I just knew that I really wanted to go to New York. Didn't know why, but I was going to figure it out. Um, and then from a business perspective, New York time and time again, just taught me really key business lessons and just helped me form my vision for Treasure Trust. So I went during university and then I went again when I was working in corporate, I got moved to their New York office. And then that year allowed me to actually move within the States and attend natural hair shows all across the country. And that really helped me form my vision for one, how big the natural hair community is, two, how crucial it is as a black woman to have community and sisterhood like that. And then three, like what the possibilities were and the way that brands show up for black women in the US. And it gave me a really high expectation. And when I came back to the UK and it wasn't being met, I think it gave me a really good benchmark to compare what we were having to experience versus what was capable. And that like that bar was raised so high. And I think I've just continued to always just demand from brands that they allow black British women to have that same beauty experience as African-American women, because it's done. I've seen it time and time again. I've been to Essence several times. I've been to pretty much all of the hair shows. I can see what's capable. And it's just about having the right conversations with the right people and yeah, just making enough noise so that black British women aren't overlooked the way that we have been for so long. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. And then you just spoke there about the, you, um, done, you went to New York um, when you was working in the corporate world and you went mm -hmm. to live there for a bit and you traveled around the States and everything like that. So when we're talking about working in the corporate world and also yeah. starting a business at the same time. So I know it's like working in the corporate world. You work crazy hours sometimes, you're working nuts hours. Um, and trying to do a business on the side of that is nuts. Like, mm -hmm. uh, I don't know, there's, there's no time. Like, there's literally a massive lack it's of time. Li yeah, literally. Like, um, how did you even find the time like, to start a business and to scale a business when you were working at the same time? Um, there was no time. <laughs> so you just, <laughs> you just had to make the time. Um, yeah, I was working... At the time I was on the grad scheme, I was on the rotational program. So you were with a different team. I think it was for like six months. And at the time of like really going all in on Treasure Trust, I was in, I was on the com oh, portfolio compliance team. I almost forgot then. I was on the portfolio <laughs> compliance team. And that required like getting into the office for seven and then working a 12 hour shift ending at seven and then handing over to the next time zone. So that was probably like, if there was ever going to be a challenge of finding time and making time, that was going to be it. But for me, I just found extra hours in the day. Like I would wake up super early, anywhere between four and five to work on Treasure Trust before I started getting ready to go to work. As soon as I got back from work, I would eat food, then start working on Treasure Trust and work on um, TT till like 2 a.m., getting very little sleep in between. But it was just something that I really, really wanted to do and was quite um, obsessed with. And I think I was fortunate because I had the support of, my now husband then boyfriend who was like really big on like start your own business you can do this um thankfully he was a tech guy so he was like we can build the website like you can actually do it so I think having like that support system and also having like, my own drive of being like okay I'm gonna I'm gonna figure this out I don't know how I'm gonna run both but let me try and let me see how long I can do it for um and I always say that it actually wasn't my goal to take treasure trust full-time I 
like a full it'd be so lovely to like have a full-time job and have like a passion project slash business on the side but treasure chest became so demanding that I had no choice but to sacrifice one thing and at the time I was like 23 and I was like there's not much for me to lose here so let me go all in with treasure chest see what happens worst case scenario I'll do a u-turn but ultimately I'll maintain really good um relationships with my team in corporate should I need to do a complete reverse Mm. and it must have been a massive passion project for you because if you work in seven to seven and then work on this on the side like most you you come after from seven I mean you're probably not going to get here until eight or something like that you're going to be shattered um must be a massive passion project and also you spoke about how your then boyfriend now husband was encouraging you at the time and Mm -hmm. I'm wondering what were because you know when it comes to business and that we see like the glitz and glamour um on socials on tv or whatever and we see people who look like they're winning I mean of course they are winning but we see like we we see you know loads of smiles and all that we don't see the grind until 2 a.m and that at all no. you don't see the level of sacrifice that goes into starting a business like that as well mm-hmm. um and i'm wondering yeah so with you um being in a relationship at the time having family having friends mm-hmm. all of that what's the reality like when you're trying to start a business but at the same time you're trying to maintain all of these different relationships yeah um it's a challenge i think ultimately I don't know. I I don't I don't want to say like, oh, I'm this super lucky person, even though I would really like to be. But I think I'm quite fortunate in that my friends know me well. So I have always been someone that has tunnel vision. So even when we go back to like year nine, when I'm one of the youngest in my group of friends, so everyone had already had like their big birthdays and everyone's like, Jamelia, what are you doing for your birthday? And I was like, oh, absolutely nothing. I've got exams like I'm focusing on my exams. Don't call me. Don't text me. Like I literally if they came around my house, I would continue doing my work. Like mm-hmm. they know that once I'm locked in on something, it's nothing personal. I'm just like really, really focused on it. And with TT, it was no different. I think the good thing that the good thing was that unlike my schoolwork, GCSEs, IB, whatever, they couldn't help me with that. But with TT, they could actually help me with it. So even when I look back at like early videos and photos, it's my friends that are helping me run the events. It's my friends that are like greeting guests at events. It's my friends that are helping me set up events. Um, And my mum's always in my corner um, cheering me on. And then your question about being in a relationship and like managing that as well as building a business. I think I was fortunate in that, again, it goes back to like, long exist long pre-existing relationships so we'd been friends since we were like 14 at the time of building treasure dress I was like early 20s so we'd known each other for a while I think I was also fortunate because he was building his own business as well so I think there was just Mm -hmm. this mutual understanding that like we're just going to do what we've got to do to build what we want to build and yeah not to say that there weren't complaints or like date nights were not a thing at all like who had money for date mm. nights when you're putting all of your money into your business <laughs> yeah. like who's also got the time or energy for date night when again you're putting everything into your business so of course things were sacrificed but I don't know I kind of just understood that from my childhood that you do have to sacrifice some things in order to gain something else and one of my best friends always says that there is a price of everything like everything costs something even if it's not monetary it's time it's energy um so I just, I, I think I just had that understanding and I think we both had the understanding that, okay, something's got to give, but we would just have a mutual understanding that this, this is like where the focus is right now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. And uh, yeah, I agree with what you're saying. The, there's a cost for everything. Like nothing in life necessarily comes free. Even if you think it's free, there's a cost in some way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I can even, with like a thousand voices, so because, so I'm married as well, well, quite newly married. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Um, And with, so I'm similar to you in a sense where I'm like, I'm very tunnel visioned. When I'm on something, I'm on it. Like I'm working on it. When's your birthday? Not to go woo-woo again. uh, February. Oh, okay. (laughs) What did you think I was? I thought you was going to be a Taurus. Nah, Aquarians. Hmm. Aquarius, yeah. Um, Aquarians are big dreamers and big thinkers. And I think I'm definitely like that. Big thinker, big dreamer. And when I've got that vision in my head, I'm like, that's it. I'm working mm. towards and I can be very, very tunnel visioned. And what helped me actually was that because, you know, what helped me is that being the actual communication with my wife. So yeah. properly 
communicating. Yeah. Um, and now we're at a stage here where it's like, although, you know, I've started this up, she helps me a hell of a lot with mm. what we're doing, you know? And I don't know if it's the same with you and your, your husband at the time, but then when you, when, you know, she's helping and tapping into the vision as well, I've explained the vision, I've articulated it. She mm. helps me a hell, a hell of a lot with everything that we do, a thousand voices. Um, oh. It doesn't necessarily feel like, well, I mean, obviously you do sacrifice somewhat here and there, but because we're working it together, it doesn't mm-hmm. cause friction like that. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And I don't know if it's the same, if that was the same with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's that's the benefit of not only like having that support system, but communicating. And I can't say that my communication's always been the best, but I think ultimately there's a quiet confidence that comes when you know that there's people in your corner regardless. And I think like you can find that in friendships, you can find that in family, you can find it in romantic relationships. It can come from a variety of different places. But I think that like that quiet confidence is the thing that carries you through and lets you know that like regardless, you're good. Like regardless, you'll get back up and regardless, you'll find a way. For real. Uh, I want to talk about community building. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So when you started up Treasure Trust, you started up, you first of all started by building a community, right? Mm hmm. So, um, yeah, I'm just wondering, when it comes to community building, um, how important was cultivating that community when you first started? And also, what advice we'd have for other people who are trying to build communities around businesses that they're starting up? Yeah, I think community, I don't think it was even intentional. I think for me, it's always just like, okay, what's what's the need? How can I serve? And what would be of service and of value to other people? And I think that's, that's the most important thing. I don't feel like it's possible to really build a business and a brand without a community. Otherwise, like, who's supporting you? Who's who's Mm. vouching for you? Who's talking about you? Who's spreading the news of your business via word of mouth? Like, we all really, really depend on community now. I think then I just wanted to, um, I just wanted to help. Like, I just wanted to help more women learn about their hair. I started with my focus mainly on young girls and I just wanted like a world where little girls grew up and thought that their hair in its natural state was beautiful. Didn't want straight hair. They just wanted to celebrate their curls. And so for me, it was like, okay, how many mothers can I invite into a space? And also how many spaces can I create where little girls feel comfortable and see themselves and are celebrated? Ultimately, community is about service. It's actually, it shouldn't always... Although as a business owner, you're always going to be thinking, okay, what's the ROI? Like, how's this benefiting my business? How's this raising brand awareness? But if you come from a place of service, I think your community will grow a lot faster than you would expect. And there'll be people in your corner vouching for you that are not your friends and family who just see your passion to serve and just appreciate it and see you. And I think that that can really, really carry you. So with Treasure Chester, when you started up, and I suppose until now, it was about helping women and little girls to celebrate their, their natural hair. Yeah, so I have always had natural hair throughout the whole of my life, but I got to an age in my teens where I was like, I don't want to wear my hair um, in its natural state. It's childish. I want straight hair. My mum was like, you can't relax your hair because if you relax your hair, it will fall out. It's far too fine. Mm -hmm. I said, okay, so I couldn't relax my hair. So I used to like straighten it every two weeks, then went to a hairdresser and she was like, why don't you just wear your hair in its natural state? And I thought, "Mm, no way. I cannot. I will look like a 10 year old. but then I like hopped on YouTube and started looking up natural hairstyles and then stumbled across the natural hair community on YouTube. And that for me was like a huge eye opener to the fact that, wow, like black women can grow their hair long. Black women can have really full and healthy hair. Um, our hair doesn't stop growing at a certain length. Like they're actually like we can be our own hair goals. So when I found that out for myself, I started telling that my friends and they stopped using heat so much in their hair, started embracing their natural hair texture a bit more. And then I was connecting with more women like that. But I just thought, like, it would have been so useful for me at a younger age to have this experience and have this outlook whereby I know that my hair's popping. I know that my hair's beautiful. I know how to take care of it. And I just wanted everyone to have that experience. And then I think my time abroad just showed me how much of a, like, immediate magnet hair is when you're trying to connect Black women. So I always say that if there's two Black women sitting next to each other that don't know each other, the conversation may not start with hair, but we will always find ourselves talking about hair at some point. Um, and I know that for sure, because even this week, weekend, I went to a Nike event and I was like just running next to this girl. And immediately the first thing that we spoke about was hair. 
And then mm. I was like sitting next to another girl and she turned around and she's like, oh, I like your braids. And it's just like black women just connect over here. So for me, I knew that not only is there opportunity to educate, but there's also opportunity to introduce women to each other so that they can build their own communities, their own friendships and their own sisterhoods. Um, because again, for me, I know that sisterhood, friendships and relationships have really carried me. And I just really want everyone to have that for themselves. I love that. And you know how people say that businesses, um, the most successful business anyway, come from some sort of a personal pain point, something that you personally feel and properly resonate with. Yeah. And obviously this sounds like a sign that you very, very resonate with on a personal level. Obviously, of course, there's a business and that, but it's something you're passionate about. It's not just some something you've randomly sort of cobbled together and then no. thrown online, nothing like that at all. And even if you take it back, we talk about when you're working in the corporate world and you're working whatever hours you're working and then work on this on the side and you weren't even thinking, I'm going to take it full time. You're just like, hoping that's do something on the side. Mm. You definitely have to be passionate and really care about what you're doing. Yeah. To even think that, you know? Yeah. Um, and I guess it's all, in a way then, do you feel that people um, that are wanting to start businesses should focus do you think people should focus more on what they care about their passions as opposed to like maybe looking for the next million dollar idea yeah I feel, I feel like you could make the next million dollar idea by focusing on your passion I don't think the two are mutually exclusive so I think the focus should be not even necessarily what you're passionate about but like what can you help people how can you help people and for me I knew that like my obsession with hair and hair products could help people because I was already helping people in my immediate circle so I think the focus should always be like how can you be of service and just get yourself in a position to serve and then I think the opportunities kind of present themselves cool all right let's talk when you started up treasure chess what challenges did you have when you were starting up everything (laughs) (laughs) I yeah everything I didn't know how to do anything I didn't know anyone I genuinely had no contacts in the beauty industry whatsoever did not know a soul so I had to build that network from scratch didn't know anything about logistics had to learn that process from scratch didn't know anything about like packaging and ingredients I I, I knew a fair bit about ingredients because YouTube Um, but everything about that the day-to-day running of a business I was literally learning it as I went along so I can honestly say that I went in blind no experience um, whatsoever but just a determination to somehow figure it out. Cool. <laughs> cool. All right. How did you overcome that? Was it just by learning, I guess, <laughs> like learning by doing? Yeah, Smart like enough. learning by doing podcasts, books, like that. I never wasted a train ride to work. Like you would never catch me on, well, maybe on an off day, but I would very rarely <laughs> be sat on the train on Instagram. I always had my head in a book or I was listening to a podcast because I was aware that I just didn't have anything to rely upon. I didn't have, again, I didn't have the contacts. I didn't have a network. I didn't have the experience. So in my mind, while I was gaining the experience, I was also going to learn from the experience of the experiences of other people. And I think that's the beauty of podcasts. And that's the beauty of books in that you can learn from people, other people's experiences without having to go through the experience yourself. So, um, yeah, I was just, just driven to just, just learn, figure it out, learn from other people's mistakes. Um, I think now I look back and I think, oh, I wish I had one documented that process a bit better because it would have been great to look back on it now. Mm. But two, also just understood that it's so important to enjoy every phase of your business because there's always a problem. There's always a fire that needs to be put out. There's always ways that you can be better, but there's no final destination that you'll ever get to where you'll be like, yes, made it because there's always something next. And as you do better, your expectations and your aspirations also grow. And that's like a gift and a curse. So the only thing that I wish I'd done a bit more then was just like, enjoy having like a really manageable amount. I don't want this now, but a very manageable (laughs) amount of customers that I could get to know really intimately and that could help me refine my product. Now I'm grateful for the growth of the brand and we will continue to grow. Um, But I just wish that I like, was a bit more patient with myself and celebrated my smaller wins more at the time for sure and I agree with that documenting things a bit more that's something I'm trying to do I don't take enough pictures I don't take enough videos I don't document enough things and like I feel like it's important you know? it is. um yeah in a couple of interviews I've done so far people talk about yeah you know doc- they documented everything and they were able to show all of that to 
people and then that helped them to get deals or to get this or get that and then it's important you know mm-hmm. to document everything you're doing even if it isn't necessary to grow your business just for yourself to look yes. back on a reflect upon yeah. and see how far you've come along you know along the way. when you talk about so with treasure Chest, when you started up you started up by building up your community online mm-hmm. and on your train rides and all these any free time you had you're consuming content reading books listening to podcasts etc trying mm-hmm. to learn from other people's experiences and that I'm also wondering when you start up even from when you started up until now actually did you one have some mentors that you were working with like not necessarily like watching you know or reading about but like actively speaking with mm. um and also did you have like a community around yourself I mean you're building a community of natural hair lovers but did you have a community of other like entrepreneurial people around you no um so your first question about mentors when I launched interest no I don't think I even had like a corporate mentor at the time I I didn't I didn't have a mentor um I would say about year two I think I met one mentor he introduced me to another Year two, I also actively sought out Sharma Dean Reed <laughs> and mm-hmm. um, like went to every event that she was speaking at to the point where she was like, you're following me. Mm-hmm. What is it that you're building and how can I help? And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, well, I'm building this thing called Treasure Dress and it's a subscription box. Um, and then she offered me some help. we done like, I would say for about a period of six months, we met like every other week. Um, and then the two mentors that I have, I still have really good relationships with them now. They're stateside. But upon launching, no. When I say I had no network, I mean no one. <laughs> no one whatsoever. But I always say that mentors are the best thing that you can do. when Seeking a mentor is the best thing you can do when starting your business because they'll just help you fast forward and fast track you a lot faster than you can take yourself. So didn't have one to begin with. Definitely have some now. And I'm really grateful for them. Cool. Well, you hustled anyway, it sounds like, to, <laughs> to find people over time. Yes. What sort of a mindset would you say one needs to thrive as an entrepreneur? To thrive as an entrepreneur, I think a willingness to learn. Like you just have to, you just have to be ready and willing to learn. Um, learn from others, learn from yourself, learn what's going on in your business, learn what's changing in your business. Like it's just a process of nonstop learning. Um, Decision making, obviously, you need to be pretty decent at making decisions, making calls on things. Um, and then I think you always need that creativity muscle where you can like spot an opportunity or like put things together that don't necessarily make sense to other people and create a completely new experience. Yeah, I think those, yeah, those three, I'd say. Cool. Yeah. All right, cool. And uh, with Treasure Trust now, so have you got a team that you're working with? And so you do, and then with your team, so how did you go about, first of all, growing your team? And mm-hmm. also, did you had you had any experience in leading or managing a team before this? And was that not something you just learned along the way as well? No, I mean, everything was from scratch. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do have a team. There's eight of us in total. Six of us work in the office, two virtually. Um, my team has transitioned and changed as the business has grown. Um, but my first hires were from our customer base community and from my personal network. And then over time, I've begun to recruit externally. So I actually had a recruiter that I went to nursery with who was a subscriber and was like, hey, do you need any help finding talent? And I was like, actually, I do recruit for this role. And she's helped me source some good talent. So a few different ways. I don't feel like recruitment should be linear. And I do Mm. think there's beauty in having like people from different places come together um, to share a vision and to drive a vision forward yeah yeah cool uh and now nowadays what does a day in the life of Jamelia look like meetings (laughs) (laughs) um no seriously meetings calls upon calls upon calls I've gotten better at like scheduling deep work hours into my calendar where I say like please can you not put any meetings here um and I'm just able to get stuff done but Mostly meetings. Yep. Cool. <laughs> cool. All right. So I want to sidestep a little bit mm-hmm. and talk about the TT Awards. Yeah. Yeah. So 
with myself yeah so um i used to have locks i might not look like it but i used oh, to have locks yeah okay. back, in, back in the day actually not, not that long ago a few years ago but i used to have locks um cut them off now clearly um <laughs> but at the time i remember so i used to find it very difficult to because what i used to try and do was first of all i used to try and shop at black owned shops to get like products for my hair mm-hmm. um and it used to be it was my sister-in-law that was like recommending me all the different products and then you know so i would try and shop black owned shops and first of all i used to find it quite difficult to mm. find the shops in the first place um and second of all, sometimes the products weren't even that easy to source as well. Mm-hmm. So, so I'd have to like go online and then, you know, do whatever to get shit from somewhere. Or you go on Amazon, there's like one left or something like that. It wasn't yeah. always easy, you know, to find what I need to find. Um, so, and also, so I know that if we're talking at the, the hair care market, black women account for 2%. Two percent of the UK population, ten percent mm-hmm. of the total beauty spend. Mm-hmm. I believe the numbers are exactly. Um, and on, but then, if you look at the, those numbers, so you know they're spending disproportionately above what they're they're representing the, in the population. Um, but then the underserved one, because you don't have maybe enough black-owned shops, and two, you don't have they don't they aren't able to find the products that you need. So, mm-hmm. treasure trust clearly, you know, it feels like a very clear gap in that space. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to the TT Awards now, can you talk a bit about what the motivation was behind starting that? I guess what the, yeah, what's the driving force behind starting that and what it is actually for people that don't know? Sure. So the TT Awards is an award ceremony to celebrate the Black Beauty Vote, um, which essentially highlights and amplifies the brands that serve the Black community well, in particular Black women, and cater to our skin and our hair in a way that's positive, uplifting and consistent. Typically in the award ceremonies, there's like one category allocated to black beauty and that covers everything from like foot cream to hair oil. And for us, we just thought like, why isn't there an award ceremony that highlights the best shampoo, the best conditioner, the best leave-in conditioner, um, all of the categories that fulfill our beauty needs for and by black women. So our votes, all of the products are voted for by our community. And we recently, last week actually, released a docufilm to announce the winning brands um, that won in each category that they showed up in. So we were going back and forth and toying with, do we have a actual awards ceremony? And every time we made one step forward with it, there was another lockdown and we were like, okay, cool. This isn't gonna work. Let's do something that feels like a creative piece. Let's merge it with storytelling about everyday black women that we really care about because as much as I really care about beauty, I'm absolutely obsessed with products. I care a lot about black women and making sure that our voices and our stories are heard as as do my team. So we all agreed that the best format to present something that was meaningful and authentic to us as a brand while we uplift the other brands is to merge the two through a docufilm. So you can actually look it up on YouTube. It's literally called the TT Awards. The TT stands for top tier because we're highlighting the top tier products in every um, category and the top tier brands. But it just felt like a really authentic and genuine way that we could give a stamp of approval to the brands that we felt like were doing us justice and were seeing us and were showing up for us. And even more important now, because when it was BLM, everyone had so much to say, everyone was so passionate about it, but a few years later, it's not as much of a priority. So it's kind of to show that we're here to say we're not going anywhere and our expectations for brands remains the same. Like keep that same energy that you had then, continue to cater to black women and make sure that we're able to have uplifting and luxurious shopping experiences like everyone else. That's, it sounds like it's another example of you like highlighting a pain point. I'm highlighting mm-hmm. something that you literally see is wrong. Like they had what, one category and that would cover everything, mm-hmm. um, which just sounds ridiculous when you put it like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like highlighting a personal pain point and okay like okay what could we do and then i can just do this and do that and then provide your own sort of solution for your community or people that look like yourself um people that yeah so i think that's definitely another example of that um and also we talk about the blm piece as well is interesting so that's like it's sort of like a common theme with a lot of people i've spoken with so far in some way shape or form i mean i've spoken people from all sorts of industries and Mm -hmm. some people have said that oh like they when blm when the george floyd murder happened and the BLM movement was, you know, at its peak a couple of years ago. They were getting loads of brands and whatever reaching out to them. Now mm-hmm. it's dried up. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard people say stuff like, um, at the time, you had loads of people reaching out to them to have a conversation. I mean, people that knew they existed and had never ever tried to talk to them, but now they want to talk and mm-hmm. whatever. And again, it's dried up. Yeah, and that, that seems to be a common theme that I'm hearing with a lot of people. Yeah, but there's a lot of energy back then, but it's dried up a lot now. And mm-hmm. I don't know if that's been your experience as well. Like you've had people reach out or whatever, and then now it's slowed down again. Um, I think for us, it was a unique experience because we had been reaching out to brands actively as part of our subscription service. Um, But I think brands became a lot more eager and a lot more responsive during that phase because it was like, oh, yeah, actually, like we really need to speak to black women authentically. We want to cater to this audience. We just want to do something. And then, um, yeah, I've been quite disappointed with quite a few brands recently in that they felt like they ticked that box and now they're ready to move on to the next initiative. I don't think they quite understand that it's an ongoing thing. It's not just a one and done thing. Like this is actually changing your culture. It's diversifying your workforce. It's diversifying the products that you create. It's making sure that your marketing is representative. It's making sure that you grow up, you show up in grassroots initiatives and you show up in community. So there's still a lot to be done. Yeah, yeah. it's a lot more than lip service. It's a lot more yes. than putting out, putting out a black square on social media because that's so yeah. easy. Anyone yeah. can put up a black girl on social media and not do anything about it afterwards yeah. and be like, yes, I'm an ally. But I don't, in my opinion, I don't think that's what allyship looks like anyways. No, I mean, that's that's like literally, literally the bare minimum. You cannot do less than that mm-hmm. <laughs> and then call yourself an ally. No, it's true. Um, and allyship means doing something more tangible. Like mm-hmm. do something more tangible, put your money where your mouth is or in some way, shape, form, or doing, even if it's not money. It's time, it's something, but resources, doing something, anything. resources, anything, contacts, connections, whatever, but doing something way more tangible. And then, cool, that's more allyship than putting up a square on social media. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, I want to talk about the teen experience as well, yeah? Yeah. Uh, which is something you start up, we said, with Simone. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, talk a bit about that, uh, what that's been like and what the motivation was behind starting that as well. Uh, the teen experience is like, Yeah, it's something that is so ironic. When we started the teen experience, the idea was to create a space for black and mixed race teen girls that they could just go meet each other, learn new skills. Because growing up, I always had youth clubs and that that was like a really big part of my childhood. But obviously now youth clubs are all defunded. There's Mm. there's not any around. Like if you're a young person growing up, I just don't understand where you go. Like do you go outside or do you just spend all of your time indoors and online? So... I was already doing something called Mummy and Me Afternoon Teas for Treasure Tress. And I was already going to like lots of natural hair events for my age group, like early 20s, um, mid 20s and women in their 30s also attending. But I realized that there was this void again in the middle of the teens. Like they could, they were too young to come to the natural hair events or they would have felt out of place. But then equally, they were far too old to be at the Mummy and Me Afternoon Teas. So I thought something has to be done to cater to them and to give them a place to go connect meet each other and just build their own community so I started reaching out to my contacts in the natural hair industry like hey running these workshops would love for you to present one um pretty much everyone said yes um but Simone took it one step further and was like yeah I don't want to just like present I want to help you build it like I really want to make sure that this comes to life so we joined forces then and got some brands on board and just created a space for teens um alongside the brands we connected with a lot of women in our network so like videographers photographers workshop leads and the ironic thing is that all the time that we thought we were teaching the teens everyone's now come back and said you know what I learned so much from the teens it was one of the most rewarding things that I've ever done like it was such a sacred space I used the past tense because we weren't able to maintain it throughout lockdown because we did do one virtual teen experience but I don't think anything compares to having them in real life. So mm-hmm. we're excited to bring it back this year. We've got a brunch coming up soon. Um, but yeah, the teen experience was just like pure passion. And again, just filling that void of what would younger Jamelia have wanted? What would she have really appreciated? And then just creating that. So we've covered everything from like creating a CV, um, purchasing a house, self-defense, hair, makeup, everything our next topic is going to be friendships which is going to be very juicy um sounds like it but yeah it's just something that i'm some work that we're all really really proud of 
that's a very practical stuff as well stuff they don't teach you in school at least mm -hmm. they should <laughs> they yeah that was the idea <laughs> they don't teach you this in school yeah uh you sound like a proper go-getter you know someone that you know sees something and cool i'm just gonna go and do it without even because me i guess in a sense I, I do have that side of me but then i also have a perfectionist side of me which mm -hmm. i'm like i need to learn it all before mm. i go and start but you sound like i'm a go-getter i see it cool i'm gonna go and do it yeah you've always been like that um i i struggle with that like perfectionism piece as well but anytime i'm getting too much like that i just tell myself that i'm procrastinating and that done is better than perfect so there's even stuff that like i'll give to someone else to do it will come out and i'll be like mm, not 100 on it but i'm like really just leave it like just let it go out in the world because at least it is out in the world and done is better than perfect so I'm I can completely relate like when you want something done you want it done perfectly you want it to be 100% professional but sometimes you just have to let it go out into the world because there's someone that needs it and there's someone that's waiting for it and when they see it they're not going to worry about like the text being misaligned or it missing a border mm. or it not being the perfect color scheme I think yeah the main thing is that you deliver you deliver the message so yeah, I struggle. I like go in between the two. Sometimes I'm like, I go through periods where I'm like, no, I just want to get everything organized and like get everything perfect. And then I have the other periods where I'm like, mm, something's missing. Let me create it. That's it. You know what you said there about like when you, you put it out into the world and then whoever's there to see whatever you put out in the world isn't going to necessarily care about maybe a text being slightly misaligned or whatever. And it's so true because with me, like I definitely feel like I'm a perfectionist yeah, in some sense. And I'll take forever to make sure it's perfect before I put sign out there and then people will look at the people won't even clock <laughs> people, mm -hmm. you put all this time into trying to make it look perfect people won't even clock all the work you've done yes so you know everything that maybe because when you're the creator you can see everything mm -hmm. everybody else isn't looking at it the same way they're more interested in the value the message whatever it is you know yes not it being the perfect color yeah. <laughs> and I think you also have to allow yourself for the fact that like things take time so I had a meeting today um, with a brand that was like one of the first brands that I ever reached out to years ago when I was starting Treasure Chest. And it was actually Rachel from Afrocentrics. And she was saying like, oh, well done, Jamelia. Like, I remember when you first approached us, you had this really clear vision about up, um, elevating experiences for black women, creating safe spaces, making them feel special when they receive your boxes, making product discovery desirable and exciting again. And she was like, I really think you've done that. But remember, this is six years after I started. <laughs> so I didn't get that feedback straight away. But it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like the work that I was doing early on led me to the point where I'm able to have conversations and people say, do you know what, what you wanted to build, you are actually building. When I saw TT Awards, I thought this is exactly what we need. So I think it's an understanding that good things also take time. I think initially get the idea out there, see if people want it, see if you can find your people who want to support what you're doing and then um, just continue to build and perfect from there. But I don't think we can let perfectionism hold us back altogether. For sure. For sure. Rach I've met Rachel before some time back at networking event. Lovely woman, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. Proper cool. Got good energy from her. Yes. And um, I definitely agree with what you're saying. Yeah. Um, you just put it out there. Go up, go up with your thing out there like, and let people, let the people you're building it for tell you about it and whether they mm -hmm. like it or not. And then from there, you can go back and if you need to tweak things, cool. Um, but the the board up being perfectly aligned isn't going to make or break <laughs> at all. At all. And the good things take time for sure, especially yeah. in this, um, this what's it like, this immediate gratification sort of culture we live in right now. Mm -hmm. It's hard for people to grasp what it's hard for people to, you know, really take in. But good things take time. Like you said, you've been working your business for six years now. Um, and you're getting the feedback six years after but mm -hmm. you never know who's looking at what you're doing as well yeah you can and be I building oh sorry go on no continue no, i'll say i was just gonna say you, you can be building for like six years or whatever you can build for a long time someone could be someone could be watching your entire journey you could have 10 followers for six mm -hmm. years and then after you know a period of time the right person could be watching and that can be your big break or whatever you know yes absolutely um i think i think that's key and i can definitely attest to the fact that you never know who's watching. I've gone into meetings with companies that I didn't think they knew who Treasure Trust was. I thought that I was pitching brand new. And there's a black woman that's in the room that's like, Jamelia, I've been following your journey for years. I think you're doing amazing. And it's like, what? I didn't even, like, I didn't even know. I didn't have a clue, but there's people that are out there secretly rooting for you. Equally, there's, crit there's critiques everywhere, right? There's critics everywhere. Always so, 
I mean, there's always going to be someone that says, oh, this wasn't as I thought it was going to be. It could be better. But I think the good thing is that they're telling you how to improve what you're doing. They're telling you how to improve your business. They might not use the language that you want, <laughs> but they're like <laughs> yeah. giving you key tips and tricks. Like we're in the process of um, releasing tickets for another part of the For Black Girls Who Can't series. And the first thing that we done was revert back to the feedback that we got for the first one. The first one was our first, I think that was one of our first virtual events. So it wasn't smooth. Like the tech wasn't clean, but we got there eventually. Mm. <laughs> and people left learning how to braid, which was the key. Um, but that was our first point of call. Cool, okay, cool. Let's see what the women who had the harshest feedback says. And then let's use that as the basis for how we build the next one so that we don't make the same mistake twice. So put it out there. It's not going to be perfect, um, but you're going to figure it out. And you're going to use your feedback to help you figure it out. It's not, it's not personal. For real, for real. And you know, when you talk about treasure trust, yeah, um, you talk about being, uh, well, in a sense, more than a business, it's a sisterhood, it's a community. Mm -hmm. And the way you talk about what TT Awards means to you, and also even the teen experience, like when you start talking about it, you're like, big smile on your face, like, yeah, this is what it is, this is what we're doing, mm -hmm. blah, 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 all of these things. Um, would you say that you've found your purpose? And would, if so, how would you, how do you feel other people can go about finding their purpose? Um, I feel like, yeah, I feel like I know what work I'm meant to do in the world, but I also expect that it will continue to unfold. So I would say when I first started Treasure Trust, I thought it was here. And then now I've learned actually it's not really here. Um, it's actually more like women and connecting people and education. And now I'm very much like, it's definitely education and like elevation of black women that I think is my is my real work in the world and one thing that I do know for sure is that we shouldn't let job titles define what our work is in the world because it can evolve it can transform over time I think for anyone that's like trying to find their purpose I think it's ultimately about just paying attention to your passions I think it's so easy to see someone else's journey and someone else's professional success and be like that's what success looks like that's what I have to do I have to emulate that but if you are passionate about collecting bugs, then collect bugs, celebrate it and find people that also collect bugs and like just do your work there. I think you just have to follow what you're passionate about and just pay attention to it, honour it and like water it. Like you actually find your passion and also invest in it. For real. So, yeah. And I think purpose is, is something that I've always been really keen on. At some points I was quite frustrated and impatient. Like, I just want to know what my purpose is. Like, why am I here? Um, but again, I think it continues to unfold. I thought that all that I cared about was products and hair, which is true, but it's part of a bigger purpose. And I think that's what life's about. Like just seeing the constant unfoldment of like different layers of yourself and different layers of the work that you're supposed to do. So when did you sort of come to this realization then? Like this place of maybe peace with where you are now with regards to your purpose i'm not sure i've used peace as a word because i'm quite a restless <laughs> impatient person i don't think um my husband would use the word peace but <laughs> um i think i got to a place where i had respect for what my work could be i think it was after after every event i would like sit and think like what is this feeling that i can feel like why why do i feel so fulfilled and don't get me wrong, I love the next deep conditioner mask as much as the next, I love deep conditioning mask as much as the next product junkie, but like our deep conditioning masks like giving me butterflies and like goosebumps, no. I like using them. <laughs> I really enjoy trying them. I like comparing them. But the only time that I get like butterflies and goosebumps are like when I hear women telling their stories, connecting, um, like laughing, having a good time and just feeling seen and creating spaces where women feel seen and heard where they're otherwise not. So yeah, I think it was our events. I used to just think like, why do I, wow, like, why do I feel so emotional? Like, why do I feel so excited? Why do I feel so fired up? And it was because we were creating experiences that we knew we needed and other women were benefiting from it. That's sick, love that, love that. And I guess, yeah, it just goes full circle back towards like just working, it's your passion, you know, working on whatever you're passionate about like mm -hmm. I've been I've done tried to work on things in the past where I'm literally just trying to make a quick buck so mm -hmm. I'm trying to start up any kind of business that I think okay I can make a quick buck and I'm a very 
like I said, I'm an Aquarius, and we we think we dream in it. Mm. If I'm if I'm working or something, I'm like, if my heart ain't in it, I I literally cannot motivate myself to do it, no matter how big the buck can be in the future. Mm. So I'm struggling like to really motivate myself to do it. I think um, that's what's funny about life, though, because some people literally create businesses for profit, and they they do really well and they're really successful. Um, but I think it goes back to that thing of like what what drives you and what pushes you in life because some people are like overwhelmingly passionate about material things and it might fulfill them it might not like who are we to judge but for some people that is their driving force and for those people as you said like thinking of like what's the next big business like what phone cases can I sell to make money like that that is what they're passionate about but I think that's where we're all so different in that you just said that 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 wasn't it for you. Like you knew that you needed to do something slightly different on a slightly different wavelength to make you feel fulfilled. And yeah, I think I think that's the beauty of life, being able to appreciate both of them. For real. For yeah, purpose is subjective, you know, it's an individual yeah. basis. Like what someone um, you know, it's who's to say what's right and what's wrong. Yeah, exactly. Somebody's passionate about doing whatever, selling like phone cases or collecting bugs whatever you're doing cool go and do your thing if that's what makes you happy yeah go and do your thing and then build do whatever build your community do whatever like it is what it is as long as you're happy you know i'm saying you're not hurting anybody else then that's good it's the main thing yeah for real all right so i want to reflect back on your journey here Mm -hmm. what would you say has been your highest high and your lowest low so far oh gosh highest high Oh, that's a hard one. It would have to be... Mm, do you know what? It's actually... Well, it definitely has to be one of our pop-up shops because they are, like, the central point. Or like, it's like the annual reminder of why we even bother to do the work that we do. Like, why we're always having to be the voice of black women while we're always having to have difficult meetings while we're having to have difficult conversations at that point it's like do you know what it was worth it because these black women are in a space where they shop they feel seen they feel heard they feel catered to and they feel valued that is worth it I would say in addition to that one of my other highs would be having conversations where a woman has said to me like oh Jamelia when you said x it really helped me do y because Although I haven't documented my journey entirely how I would have liked to, I try to as much as possible through my podcast or just through captions, like share like where I am on my journey and what lessons I'm learning. So if at any point someone's ever said to me, like, thank you for sharing X, it helped me with Y, that is always a highlight. And then I think as far as like lows, <laughs> um, where do I start? One of my lowest lows was December... I think it was 2019. Um, We had just received a shipment of products and we had begun packing and we had packed about a thousand boxes already when we were told that those products couldn't be used because there was an ingredient in there that was banned in the UK. So we had to like, there were two products from that brand in each box. So we had to unpack all of those boxes, source replacement and products dispose of those products but this was like I think this was like the 19th of December or something so we were on the Mm. doorstep of Christmas day we needed to get them out otherwise people wouldn't get them in time for Christmas they were already late it was just a nightmare and I think then the following week my warehouse manager said that the the um stress was too much and she was thinking that maybe the role wasn't for her and I was like oh this can't all be happening in the space of like three days oh man (laughs) too much so that that time definitely sticks out as a moment where things just felt very on top and like you know how many things can go wrong in like a matter of days that's nuts that is nuts and that's I guess that's one of those things that that you don't care about in entrepreneurship you know like stuff like that because that is that sounds hella stressful yeah Christmas period as well to be honest saying it now it, it it might sound to someone like oh is that it but when you think about the fact that like thousands of women have trusted you with their money to send them a box full of products, you can't deliver a half empty box of products. Not to mention everyone's already on Christmas holiday. So how the hell are you finding products to replace those? 
not to mention Royal Mail moves mad on the best of days. So we're mm. confident that people are going to get the Christmas presents that they've bought for people that they love. I think for me, it's always, always keeping in mind, like, what impact does this have on the customer? Like, it's not okay to have paid X and not receive Y. Um, so it might, yeah, it might sound small, but it, to me, it felt like a huge, well, it always feels like a huge responsibility to make sure that we give people what they deserve. And in particular, black women, what they deserve, because no one else is. Well, on the bright side, it's 2022 and we're still here. So yes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we got through. Yeah. Uh, uh, what advice would you give to somebody that's trying to start their own business? Um, just do it. Like, it sounds corny, but put your idea out there. Like the things that we've already said, put your idea out there, test it, find your people, find your tribe, um, be open to learning. You just have to be ready and willing to learn learn from others but also push your ego aside I haven't seen it as much anymore but there used to be this like very big culture of like boss this boss be this like everyone just wanted to be the founder the starter the owner the CEO and I think when you're starting you should always go for experience like get experience under your belt because you might learn some of the best things working underneath someone that does what you want to do and you might have the best career of your life also working on the team of someone that does what you want to do. So I think it's like being open to different experiences and again, try and try and try and until you find what works and also in that process, learning what you don't like and what doesn't work for you. Cool. That's perfect. Uh, and last question before going to quick fire, mm-hmm. what do you want your legacy to be? Um, What's funny is my my mum always said, like, you're probably going to be a teacher because, you know, my mum was a teacher, I'm a teacher. And I was always like, maybe it's like the rebellious side of me, but I was always like, no, I'm not being a teacher. I'm going to do something completely different. And now that I look at it, I'm like, you know what? I feel most fulfilled when I'm teaching and like when I'm sharing my knowledge. So, yeah, I want to be known for like the lady who showed other black women how it's done or like how to do it in practical ways rather than like yeah I just want to like demystify the business world for black women and just help black women elevate their lives in a way that's easy to understand rather than like trying to claw through and navigate through the overwhelming amount of information out there that's it love that perfect okay so let's go into quick fire yeah okay I'm up cool so I've got 10 questions mm-hmm 20 seconds per question. Well, I'm not going to time it anyways. Uh, <laughs> first few questions are a bit easier. Last few, I feel, get a bit more okay. techie. Well, just whatever comes to your head first, you can just shout okay. that out. <laughs> cool. All right, good to go? Yeah. All right. First question. What's your favorite movie? Southern Basketball. Cool. Second. What's your favorite book? Conversations with God. All right, number three. Name a song that you can never get bored of. Oh, anything from Lauren Hill's album. Uh, uh, Miseducation of Miseducation of Lauren Hill. Legendary album. All right, fourth. If you if you could only eat one meal for the rest of your life, what would you pick? Pizza. <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right, next. How do you start your day? Meditation. All right. Name three people that inspire you. Ooh. Hmm. My mum. I mean, this is not one person, but I'm going to group them together, my nieces. Because <laughs> cool. I think children are absolutely incredible and amazing. The way they navigate the world is just really interesting. My last one, Beyonce. Cool. Mm. All right. What's the best advice that you've ever received? Never take advice from someone you wouldn't exchange places with. Oh, perfect. Uh, If you were to dedicate the rest of your life to one charitable cause, what would you pick? Does it have to be an existing charity, I'm assuming? No, no, it can be any kind of a charitable cause. Um... I feel like any cause that makes education accessible to everyone. So I get, yeah, anything to do with the educational system, schools and resources, I would say that. 
All right, perfect. Well, in the last two, yeah. Mm-hmm. What's the kindest thing that someone has ever done for you? Just helped without me saying that I needed help, but just seeing what needs to be done and doing it for me. Perfect. All right, and last one. What's one thing people don't know about you? Um, bit of a hard one because I guess they will now. Um, <laughs> oh, I don't know. It can be like, uh, it can be maybe people around you might know it, but like people that follow you on Instagram might not know it. My mind has gone absolutely blank. <laughs> what do people <laughs> usually say? <laughs> uh, all sorts of stuff. What was the last one? The last one someone said was that they're a computer geek, something like that. Um, I've had a few people say that they were born with extra fingers, like, you know, like a sixth finger coming out. Yeah. Okay. Um, this is so random, but it's the first thing that comes to mind. <laughs> okay. It's very, yeah, it's just mad. Um, it's so random. It's not going to be of value, but I'll share it anyway. Cool. I really hate water. Like I would love washing my hair, but I hate the sensation of water being splashed in my face. And for that reason, I really don't like swimming. I only like swimming underwater, which is a complete contradiction. You don't like swimming, but I don't like swimming. Oh, yeah, cool. Because I don't like, you know, when you're yeah. swimming over water and you're like splashing in the waters, like I yeah, actually feel yeah. like I'm suffocating. So well, I have to either go all the way in and under, or I just sit on the side and get my feet wet. That's cool. Yeah, you've done it. That's perfect. Here, here I was thinking you were going to say like, I don't know, a favorite sport or something like that. But, <laughs> but cool. yeah, I guess the only other thing, well, that, I guess I could have said I used to be a big tomboy because I grew up with brothers and I used to really like football, but. I cool. go to the gym now, so it's kind of obvious, but yeah. <laughs> cool. That's all good. All right, perfect. That's that's that. Man. Thank you so much. Really, really appreciate you coming through today and sharing all your gems, speaking about your journey and yeah, just everything. Like I really appreciate it. Um before you wrap up, do you have you got any closing remarks? Oh, this is very formal. I would say <laughs> if you haven't already, please check out the TT Awards on YouTube. You can literally just find us on YouTube at Treasure Trust and the video is called the TT Awards docu-film. Watch it while you're washing your hair, while you're cleaning or while you're just chilling. It's about 40 minutes long, but it's got some really interesting stories about some incredible black women doing incredible work. Um, other than that, follow Treasure Trust for all updates. Keep an eye on our For Black Girls Who Can't series, which is continuing and the teen experience for our next series of brunches and workshops. Perfect. All right, people. That was that. Thank you so much for coming to A Thousand Voices once again. Really appreciate your time this evening. This was A Thousand Voices podcast. That was Jamelia Donaldson of Treasure Tress. And we're out. Wonderful.